Hello, we the people. This is Carmela Celebrity. Thank you for joining me. In a shocking development, not, House Speaker Rossi stepped down and McClinton is now at the helm. Did any of us think the leftists would miss an opportunity at identity politics? Nope. Who is McClinton? She's a 40-year-old Philadelphian who has never worked a day in the private sector. Her entire career has been in government and academia. McClinton worked as a Philly public defender for seven years, spent a whole year and 10 months as chief counsel to PA Senator Williams, won election for state rep in 2015, and has been there for the last seven years. That said, she excels at public speaking. Now, none of it is of any substance, but she makes a good show of it. You know, like the snake oil salesman of old. Given the size of her escort committee when she became Speaker of the House, you would think she was being coronated Queen of England. The committee to escort the Speaker to the rostrum shall include Representative Tina Davis, Representative Leanne Kruger, Representative Donna Bullock, Representative Maureen Madden, Representative Morgan Cephas, Representative Jen O'Mara, Representative Mary Jo Daly, Representative Patty Kim, and Representative Latasha Mays and Representative Carol Hill Evans. Frankly, I find this level of pomp and circumstance in the People's House repugnant, regardless of which party does it. Yes, just a bunch of humble civil servants. Notice how not a single male, much less a white male, was a part of her committee. I think the newly minted diversity and inclusion officer should make this their first order of business. McClinton's speech is nearly 20 minutes long. However, I will spare you the pain of listening to it in full and just touch on a few high points. First, a few clips that give insight into who McClinton believes she is. Thank you, Mom, for always instilling in me to love all of God's children and to show love every single day of my life. That's right. McClinton loves everyone and shows everyone love every day. Just like she's the first black woman speaker of the house, she's also the first black woman savior. That is, until you disagree with her. Here, McClinton describes her childhood dreams. And for those who haven't heard this, you just have to listen. From second grade, I wanted to be a lawyer, a preacher, an actress, and a hairdresser. Indeed, she has accomplished all of her childhood dreams. She's an attorney, a preacher, And given she has never met a camera nor microphone she doesn't like, she is indeed an actress delivering empty lines with conviction. As to her being a hairdresser, well, have you seen her? Just Google her. You look at this outfit, you know why children are afraid of clowns. Oh, I miss Joan Rivers. No, she really isn't that bad. It's her sparkling personality that is off-putting. Isn't it wonderful how people reveal themselves if you are keen enough to listen? Here's another clip. This year, we've seen a record number of women elected to the General Assembly, the first Dominican-American woman from Berks County, the first woman from Lawrence County, so many firsts in this class of 52 people. It's amazing to know that even in our congressional delegation, we made a great deal of history by sending our former sister rep, Congresswoman Summer Lee, to Washington, D.C. as the first African-American woman. Yay! And you get a uterus. And you get a uterus. It's amazing how McClinton selectively knows what a woman is. Identity politics all the way. Woman, race, woman, race. Yawn. 
Who cares? Can we please get back to character and qualifications? You know, when an individual has the education, experience, skills, and personal qualities needed to do a job? Finally, McClinton closes with this. But we're going to stand up against every form of discrimination. Every form against discrimination. We're going to have rules that protect women, people of color, LGBTQIA+, because this is Pennsylvania where democracy was born. It shouldn't matter who you love. It shouldn't matter whether you pray. And it shouldn't matter how you were born and the color of your skin. So while we didn't have opportunities to pass those types of rules before, today's a fresh start. It's a new day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear my eyes rolling? First of all, a constitutional representative republic, not a democracy, was born in Philadelphia. As to protecting against discrimination, state government is already governed by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that covers the full panoply of protected classes. As to protecting non-employees, there are avenues to address it. Each House caucus has their own HR department. Heck, the political party could withhold campaign funds for the next cycle from the offending representative. Speaking of discrimination, have you heard about rampant discrimination occurring in the House? I haven't, save for sexual harassment by a member. If you haven't heard this story, buckle up. In September 2019, a lobbyist, Andy Perez of SEIU, met with Representative Mike Zabel, Democrat from Delaware County, to discuss a bill. She describes what occurred. I was sexually harassed by a lawmaker who is still in office while I was discussing a bill. My incident occurred outside of the Capitol building. This lawmaker decided to caress my leg while I was wearing a skirt all the while telling me he was impressed by my passion and knowledge of the issues we were discussing. I moved, I moved away from him, hoping he would stop. He did not. Disgusting. Spotlight PA spoke to a woman who was with Perez at the time of the incident and corroborated her story. Spotlight PA also viewed a text message Zabel sent to Perez the day after she said the harassment occurred, in which he confirmed the two met and apologized for his, quote, bad manners. Perez said she reported the incident to the state House Democratic leadership the day after it occurred, but declined to say how they responded. She later tried to file a complaint with the state House Ethics Committee, but was turned down because she wasn't an employee of the chamber. Again, Perez reported the incident to state House Democratic leadership in 2019. Did they do anything? Where were the cries for Zabel's resignation? Crickets. Democrats, this should infuriate you. Your party delayed justice for Andy Perez. The only reason we know about this incident at all is because Perez spoke during Representative Rossi's January 27th listening session. Now keep in mind, Perez didn't name Zabel publicly during that session, nor did she indicate what party he was with. But remember, state Democratic leadership knew it was Zabel way back in 2019. The Democrat Party had years to conduct an investigation, and they did nothing. Worse than nothing, they intentionally delayed and covered. Do you understand that these so-called representatives, that these party players, are not here to protect you? They are out to protect their own power. And the same goes for SEIU. 
Did they support Perez going public in 2019? Or did they play politics in hopes of getting something in return from the Democrat Party? This whole thing stinks, and I want to know why the Democrats had Perez speak during a listening tour. They knew she reported harassment against Zabel in 2019. They knew it went unaddressed. Did they think she wouldn't bring it up during her comments? What were they playing at? During her testimony at the listening tour, Perez explained a loophole in the House rules. My union and I have been fighting for rules change in the House and the Senate that would protect any person from harassment from a lawmaker, no matter where that harassment occurred or who was harassed. In previous sessions, the ability to file a complaint on sexual harassment was limited to the staff of the House and limited to incidences that occurred inside the Capitol building. That means if you are a staff of the Senate or of the governor's office and were harassed while advocating on behalf of your boss, you had no ability to file an ethics complaint against that that lawmaker who harassed you. If you're someone like me who advocates in the offices of lawmakers, meeting with elected officials on behalf of my employer, there are no current protections and thus no accountability when sexual harassment occurs to someone like me. Again, the Democrat caucus could have addressed the harassment that Perez experienced. For nearly four years, they chose not to. Given this accusation, wouldn't you think that the justice-minded Democrat majority would want to make this a high priority the next time the House was in session? Particularly when a special session was called to address the victims of childhood sexual abuse? Nope. The Democrat Party voted unanimously to prevent amendment of the special session rules, further delaying justice for Perez. Funny, given they were all more than happy to bang on about justice delayed for adults 55 and over who experienced childhood sexual abuse. This is how McClinton responded on February 23rd during the special session when she was challenged on this issue. Where there is harassment, unfortunately, needs to be addressed. But the thing and reality is it's not the time or the moment to do that. Isn't she so loving when it comes to victims of sexual harassment? Maybe McClinton just never knew about the accusation. Maybe she didn't know who it really was. Let's see, who was it that was chairwoman of the Democrat caucus in 2019 when the allegation was filed? Oh, it was McClinton. McClinton was the leadership that Perez reported the harassment to. I don't know about you, but I would be interested in looking back at McClinton's time in the public defender's office in Philadelphia. Do you think she ensured that her indigent clients had representation in a fair trial in criminal court? Or did she pursue a political agenda that put the community at risk? Okay, fine, you say. The special session was short. It only delayed justice to Perez for a week. She should just wait her turn. Certainly, Democrat leaders will address it in regular session. Well, the first day of regular session was dedicated to coronating Queen Joanna. I mean, seating the new, new Democrat House Speaker McClinton. No time for the peasants to bring their complaints before the crown. Okay, you say? Give them a day to get themselves in order. Fine. Certainly the issue will be addressed on the second day. Well, on the second day, Speaker McClinton had to get the pesky House operating rules passed. I will get to that disaster at another time. For now, let us stay focused on how McClinton handles the Zabel issue lingering in the background. Keep in mind, only Democrat leadership knows it's Zabel. 
For the first half of the session, debates surrounding the passage of the new House rules progressed as one would expect. Each member of the House has the right to ask questions, formerly known as inquiries, of the bill's author, they make statements, and so on. Once all the House members have spoken, the minority and majority leaders get the last word. It wasn't until mid-session, while the House members were debating, that the press revealed Zabel as the perp. Listen in as Representative White starts to lay the groundwork for her case, preventing Zabel from voting on the House rules. A credible accusation of sexual harassment was made against a sitting member of this institution during the Speaker's listening tour. Is it appropriate for the accused member to vote on how, that, how his case will be adjudicated? McClinton responds. The chair does not, for the second time today, engage in hypothetical situations on the floor of this House. Representative White presses on, looking to ask questions of Representative Rossi, the author of Rossi's Rules. The gentleman declined. The coward refused to engage. Great response in the gallery. White, no coward, continues by quoting the rules and calling McClinton to task. Under Rule 65 of of this last session, a member who has a personal or private interest in any measure or bill proposed or pending before the House shall disclose the fact to the House and shall not vote thereon. Why would a current sitting member be permitted to vote on House Resolution 1 when they have a credible pending sexual harassment accusation against them? That is not a parliamentary inquiry. Madam Speaker, parliamentary inquiry, House Rule 65 from last session, does that currently apply today? It is a part of the House's customs and precedents. So is it for me to understand that a current sitting member who is accused of having a credible accusation of sexual harassment will be permitted to vote on House Resolution 1 today um, and be able to determine how they should be adjudicated in their case moving forward? McClinton is clearly stumped, having no response. Democrat Majority Leader Representative Bradford has to jump in and help. It would strike me that every member of this House should have a personal interest in making sure that no other member or any staff member of this House is the victim of any type of harassment, whether they be trans or whether they face any other type of discrimination or harassment. That should be our collective effort to pass this without further delay and hyperbole. No, Dumbo, that isn't what Representative White was getting at, and you know it. Bradford completely suspends reality, twisting White's words. I swear, if you told one of these tyrants the sky was blue, they would respond, No, it's not. It's chicken soup. What? White was addressing an issue before the House. One of their number had a personal or private interest in a bill pending before the House. That wasn't hyperbole. Next, Minority Leader Cutler jumps in to assist, and McClinton shuts him down. Madam Speaker, in the referencing Rule 65, it's my belief and my interpretation from prior sessions that we as members would have an affirmative duty to disclose such an allegation. If that is not disclosed, what remedies would we as members have to ensure the rules are enforced? As your question pertains to a matter neither before the House nor able to be immediately brought before the House, what you are asking is, in fact, not a parliamentary inquiry and is out of order. Notice how calm McClinton is. 
At this point, she doesn't know about the press release. (laughs) But wait. Madam Speaker, I'm in receipt of a news article that specifically names the member. I was simply wondering if you were aware of it. Uh Uh-oh. Here's McClinton's response. That is also not a parliamentary inquiry. And the minority leader knows that. Thank you, and Madam the chair Speaker. is very disappointment, disappointed in this gamemanship. Disappointed? Disappointed with Cutler's gamemanship? Oh, that is rich. Really? After you covered for Zabel for the last nearly four years? Oh, but she's just getting started. Remember what I said a moment ago. After all the House members have a chance to speak, it goes to the majority and minority leaders for the last word. Well, McClinton shuts down debate doesn't allow the minority leader to make his closing statements, and calls the question. This is completely inappropriate behavior in contradiction of House rules and parliamentary procedure. Madam Speaker, may we be briefly at ease in order to discuss the information I wish to share with you? No, we may not. The question is, will the House vote on House Resolution 1? On that question, those in favor of the resolution will vote I and those opposed Madam Speaker, will vote seeking now. recognition to speak. Members will proceed to vote. Madam Speaker. Madam Speaker. Point of order, Madam Speaker. Nothing is in order but the vote. Isn't that special? Needless to say, the rules passed as the Democrats have the majority. However, I have to hand it to the Republicans. They managed to show a bit of a spine. Not a single Republican member voted for the House rules. Good. Make them own this nonsense. After the vote, Cutler made a motion to reconsider. Further parliamentary inquiry, Madam Speaker. You may proceed. Given that debate was prematurely cut off while I was seeking recognition, what other remedy would be available? is out of order. Point of order, Madam Speaker. Debate was not prematurely cut off. There were no names on the list. Madam Speaker, I was clearly seeking recognition and it had indicated such. Parliamentary inquiry is... Given the nature at which debate ceased, if the reconsideration motion is not brought before the body, what remedy would be available to me as a member to seek recognition on the underlying debate? Unanimous consent. Madam Speaker, may I have unanimous consent to speak briefly? Object. Of course, Majority Leader Bradford objected. But what about Zabel? Oh, don't worry. The Democrats address the issue by appointing him to the Judiciary Committee. The Committee on Committees recommends the following members for the following committee. Judiciary, Representative Tim Briggs, Chair. Representative Liz Hambidge. Representative Joe Hohenstein. Representative Emily Kincaid. Representative Chris Rabb. Representative Melissa Schusterman. Representative Mike Zabel. After the session closed, the House Democrat leaders released a statement saying, Quote, we are concerned by the allegations we learned today and take such accusations seriously. The allegations we learned today? You take this seriously? Just stop it. Unlike Democrat leadership, Republican leadership and 16 Republican members of the House joined SCIU and Perez in their call for Zabel to resign. Now, a few Democrat reps have since joined in the call for his resignation. But where were they when the news broke on the House floor? Why didn't they take a stand to ensure Zabel didn't partake in a vote he clearly had a personal interest in? Were they protecting their one-seat majority? On March 3rd, Zabel sent the following email to McClinton and Bradford. 
After much thought and discussion, I have decided against resigning from the legislature at this time. However, I am very mindful of and saddened by the sensitive and disturbing allegations against me. I will not let myself be a distraction to the important work of this institution. Therefore, I resign my position on the Judiciary Committee effective immediately. I also will not accept any other committee assignments at this time so that I can better focus on my family, my treatment, and my recovery. My illness has caused some behavior that I regret, and I agree that additional intervention is necessary for me to fully recover. I'm in the process of securing additional intensive treatment beyond the outpatient treatment I have been receiving, and I'm currently working with my healthcare providers and my family to identify an appropriate inpatient program, which I will be entering as soon as possible. In response to Zabel's letter, 16 Republicans sent a letter to McClinton and Bradford stating, While we have seen the letter Rep. Zabel has sent to the Democratic leadership declining to resign from the House and seek increased medical treatment for an undisclosed matter, we believe this falls well short of the necessary accountability that comes with such heinous and repeated actions. According to a report from Spotlight PA, Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro has not called on Zabel to resign. In a statement, he said the allegations against Zabel are concerning and that they must be taken seriously as the speaker determines the appropriate course of action. Here's my problem with all of this. It occurred four years ago. This is not some rush to judgment. Other women have come forward as well. The Democrat Party had ample time to investigate and address the issue. Look, any given group, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, has the potential of including at least one jerk. It is the human condition. Also, I don't think Republicans are above playing political games to cover for the bad behavior of their members. However, between these two political parties, one is based on an ideology that promotes this kind of behavior. That is, the leftist takeover of the Democrat Party that consistently erodes the individual and promotes tyranny. In the time it took me to record today's episode, Spotlight PA just broke with information that Representative Zabel has in fact resigned. Good riddance. Now we need to call for an investigation into the Democrat caucus asking what they knew, when they knew it, and what they did about it. In our next episode, we will turn our attention to the executive branch discussing Governor Shapiro's first budget address to both houses. Thank you for joining me. I would love to hear from you. Please submit comments or questions through my website, carmelacilliberti.com, or call me at 302-584-3594. Want to help build the constitutional conservative movement in Chester County and beyond? Then subscribe to my podcast. It's free, and subscriptions help us get the word out. Thanks again. Thanks again.